0: producing audio for every need and Greta Pope entertainment for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to season two of the business savvy singer podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. Hey there and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. Today, we are celebrating our 100th episode of the podcast, and I could not think of a more fitting guest for this special episode. I am so excited. Alan Henderson is a versatile artist, a teacher, an arts administrator, and he is currently executive director Of the National Association of Teachers of Singing, or NATS, which is the world's largest professional association of voice teachers, supervising a talented staff and promoting continuing education for voice teachers. He publishes a recognized scholarly journal, the Journal of Singing, and the organization promotes voice education among a wide array of constituencies, from recreational singers to voice educators. To medical doctors. Now, our listeners know about NATS, as we, as the Business Savvy Singer podcast, are part of the NATS Cast Network, which is just such an honor and such a wonderful thing. So, as executive director in this position, Alan serves as administrator for the International Congress of Voice Teachers, held every four years at locations around the world. He is also professor of music at Georgia Southern University, where he teaches voice and foreign language diction. He holds degrees from Carson Newman College, BM, where he was the Outstanding Graduate in Music, the University of Tennessee for his MM, and the College Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati for his Doctorate of Musical Arts. Where his minor was in arts administration, and he was a winner of the Corbett Trigal Opera Competition. And I have to say, uh, the University of Cincinnati is where I began taking piano lessons as a little kid. I'm originally from Cincinnati. Um, as baritone soloist, Alan has appeared in concert, opera, and oratorio with opera companies and symphonies around the US. He's won many competitions. He is in demand as a clinician internationally. Uh, he's had multiple residencies in Singapore and in China. What a pleasure and an honor it is to have this wonderfully accomplished gentleman as our guest today. Alan Henderson, thank you for joining us. How are you today?
1: I'm great, Greta. Thank you. And congratulations on the 100th episode of the podcast. That's a great achievement, I think.
0: Yes, it is. You know, um, I just, I kind of can't believe it, you know, (laughs) it's just like, wow, 100 episodes, but we're thrilled and it's been a wonderful opportunity to get to know a lot of singers and uh, get to kind of hear their journey and, uh, you know, where they've come from and everyone, everyone has kind of a different story to tell. They're singing different genres of music and it's, it's been, it's been wonderful for me and wonderful for our listeners as well. So give us an idea of how you started in music. Did you start as a child? Did you play another instrument? Just tell us all about your background.
1: Uh, Well, like probably a lot of people, um, not everyone, but a lot of people, I pretty much got my start singing in church. Um, My mother was a children's choir director when I was very young. So I was always singing at church. Um, the, youth, the youth choir movement in churches and in the, in the churches I attended was huge in the 1970s uh, when I was coming up in middle school and high school. Uh, and so that really fostered my love of music. I had a, a, the wonderful experience of um, singing in a great high school choral program. That provided me a lot of opportunities, whether it was all state, uh, you know, we did musicals, we had a madrigal group, we traveled. Uh, you know, in December, our madrigal group would would have 40 performances in 25 days. Uh, so all you know, all of those kind of things culminated in really fostering uh my love of music, uh, my love of singing in, in a wide variety of settings and also just gave me a lot of opportunities to be on stage, Mm -hmm. be comfortable as a performer. Um, But yet I didn't necessarily see music or singing as a career uh, option when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think my high school choral director tried to hint at such, (laughs) such, uh, but I, I kind of had a different track in mind and I ended up, Going to Georgia Tech my freshman year as an electrical engineering major.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, so uh, my my father and my grandfather had gone to Georgia Tech. Just a nice connection. It was something that it was always in my mind. I had a mathematical mind, um, but yet when I got to Atlanta and uh, and continued my involvement, particularly in uh, in singing in church settings. Uh, While I was uh, in Atlanta, I had the opportunity to sing in a rather large college choir uh, at a large church in Atlanta. And that kept coming back to me. Music kept coming back to me and finding me, I guess. Uh, And by the end of that year, I really had decided, you know, I'm much more passionate about music. I began to see uh, there's some career career options there, Mm -hmm. some Ways that I felt um, kind of led in that way, and so I trained. That's when I transferred my sophomore year to Carson Newman.
0: <laughs> wow, that is fantastic! It's fantastic. You know, music does kind of just reach out to us and grab us if if it's for us. You know, it's it's a wonderful uh, a wonderful thing. So so talk to us a little bit about. As you went through your undergraduate degree, your graduate degree, your doctoral degree, <laughs> did you do all of those things in one fell swoop, or did you kind of get out of school and try some things and then go back? What was that like?
1: Well, I use when I talk to uh, you know, high schoolers and other and, and younger college students, I use my own example as as not, well, some of what not to do, <laughs> <clears throat> and that is, uh, you know, I had some friends. That went to Carson Newman. I knew nothing about the music program at Carson Newman uh, when I decided to transfer. I was basically, you know, pretty naive at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I knew I had heard, you know, I had friends that went there from high school. Some of my really good friends, and I just said, you know, I'm just going to transfer there. So it really was luck that I ended up in a place that was had a wonderful program. Was very nurturing. Had a, a just a wonderful voice teacher uh, who was always in my corner, no matter what uh, decisions were were looming. Uh, you know, he was he was a great advisor even after I left uh, and graduated. And uh, and it was a great community, not only of uh, colleagues uh, who were my age, but uh, a wonderful. Uh, faculty who really were on the student's side all the way through the degree. Um so I don't recommend students today do that. Uh but I got lucky, you know, and and a lot of us get lucky mm-hmm. in that way sometime along along our journey. Uh but you know that led to uh when I was getting ready to graduate and thinking about next steps. I was thinking about a career in church music. So I was thinking about maybe going to seminary uh, in music and getting a graduate degree there. Um, And that was an option I was kind of leaning toward. In the meantime, I had sung uh, all the way through. Another thing that, you know, I always tell uh, people is I, I never had voice lessons in high school. I just sang in choir and church and, uh, you know, uh, improved as I could from the kinds of things that my directors and others gave me. Uh, and so my first experience really having voice lessons was in college at Carson Newman. And one of my first lessons, you know, my teacher comes in and says, now here we do this thing called Nats auditions and this is what it is. And this is what it, you know, uh, what, what, what you do. And this is the kind of great feedback we get. And here's how we use it to improve all those kinds of things. So that was my very first introduction to what Nats was. Wow. Uh, And I'm constantly amazed now uh, and, and fortunate to be able to see the reach and how, how much earlier students today have exposure to Nats. And of course, even then, a lot of people had exposure to nats in high school. Uh, it just wasn't my experience. yeah, but so many more do now and, and I, I think that's such a positive thing. so i I was getting ready to graduate and decide what to do, and I had sung at nat. I had sung in our region Nats auditions in the spring and um, and my teacher gets a call the next week <clears throat> and says, uh, do you think Alan would come down to Knoxville and sing?" an audition we have a slot for uh an apprenticeship with a knoxville opera and which at that time was connected to getting your master's in music at ut wow um, and so my teacher says well i'll talk to him in his next lesson he talks to me in my next lesson i'm like you know i don't really know if that's the direction i want to go um it you know i i like it but i'm not sure that's really what i want to do um And, you know, he gave me one of the best pieces of advice I've ever had. You know, he says, you know, Alan, the door is open. It's your choice to walk through it or not. Mm -hmm. And even this experience can provide really positive things for you, uh, regardless of what your ultimate decision is. Uh, So, you know, on his advice, I went down and sang for them and they you know, it was, it was in the spring, uh, and so they basically offered me, you know, the graduate assistantship for the next day. Wow. And so then I was, you know, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, so, you know, obviously, I I, I took that opportunity, wow. and, um, and, and I've been fortunate, you know, one of the other aspects when I'm asked by a lot of students nowadays uh, is, how am I going to you know how am i going to pay for all the school that I, mm-hmm. that i think i need or i want and I, I i have been fortunate that you know other than some of my undergraduate tuition you know both of my graduate degrees were totally paid for wow. by um you know by graduate assistantships and uh and that, you know, I know many years later is, is a great blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my interest and in my love of church music also had had a lot to do with my ability to make income while I was working on my doctorate mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. I had a church job where I directed the music the entire time I was there, That's and great. they were very understanding and flexible with. Performance schedules and opera rehearsals and things of that nature that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, allowed me economically to feel good and not have the pressure that I know so many of my colleagues had. Yes. And so, you know, those were the skills I gained as an undergraduate. In a in an environment that was rich in church music and in my own interest mm-hmm. and upbringing in that venue um, has provided a lot of benefit to me over the years. I mean, I continued to be a church choir director until just right before the pandemic actually mm-hmm. i retired from part-time directing the church choir uh, where my family attends and so you know that over for over 30 years yeah. I basically was in church music full-time part-time whatever wow. uh, and that's been an important part of uh, both a skill set that I developed over the years uh, and and it's been a source of income as well.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So uh, talk to us a little bit about the arts administration piece. How did you move into that?
1: Yeah, I, I as an undergraduate, I, I, uh, my my parents uh, are both in the business world. They they both also previously taught in higher education before they went in the business world, uh, and so they uh, I, I, I kid my mother still to this day uh, about uh, knowing how she felt when I told her I was transferring and changing my major to music from engineering. Uh, I had the most. I had had the most supportive parents any anybody could have uh first of all but still there's that parental thing like how's my child gonna make a (laughs) living? you know and 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 all of that Mm -hmm. and i i know she's always been supportive and i know she knew she trusted me that you know i I was going to figure it out but uh but yet i still give her a hard time about that every once in a while (laughs) uh you know i know that you I appreciate you supporting me because I know how you are and I know you were like, I don't know how I'm going to be supporting this kid the rest of his life. Uh, You know, so, um, but I knew I needed some skills. So I got a a minor in business in my undergrad. So I I already had, uh, you know, interest in business skills, some other aspects of that. And uh, when I went to Cincinnati I had to choose a cognate uh, a minor for my doctoral studies mm-hmm. um and I already had a pretty a, a good grasp on choral conducting which a lot of my colleagues would take as their cognate mm-hmm. um and I really wasn't uh integrally interested in being an opera director necessarily although I did some of that I have done some of that in my career uh and so, uh, but I, but I had a, an inclination, an interest in kind of administration kinds of things, both a little bit in higher education from some of my experience, but my church administration kinds of things. And so, I really kind of chose that path, which was not a one that a lot of people chose at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a a, a great experience uh from you know the, the people who had been in the industry who were teaching in the program at that time um mm-hmm. uh, you know s- some great law classes a wonderful um labor relations class from a guy who you know worked for the federal labor relations board wow. and did all kinds of negotiations and that was like over in the business school kind of class um uh, and so that gave me a really nice, uh, grounding and understanding of some uh, aspects of arts administration mm-hmm. that later served me just really well, both in higher education and certainly within NATS. That's uh, wonderful.
0: It's wonderful. You know, everybody loves you, all of the NATS members. Everybody just think, I'm telling you, people think so highly of you because you do such a wonderful job with just making the NATS programming available and making it clear exactly what it is and what it has to offer to teachers and to students. It's so, so important. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, What, you know, what are the benefits for teachers? You know, we have lots of um, listeners uh, to this podcast who are teachers. Maybe they're not doing it full-time, but they, but they do have students and some of them are NATS members, some of them are not. So, can we talk a little about what the benefits uh, are for teachers?
1: Yeah, you know, we have over 7,000 members of NATS, and they're as diverse as you can imagine in the way in which they work, uh, the types of students they teach, their own interests within music. Mm-hmm. And uh, our ability to do our best to serve as many of those as possible uh, is our daily challenge at Nats, really, and it's kind of our daily mission. How can we continue to serve all the diversity of our profession? Mm-hmm. And um, our, you know, our profession has changed greatly uh, during my career, uh, and. Historically, you know, Nats was certainly founded with a very classically based mindset by, uh, you know, a founding group that were primarily classical teachers, Mm -hmm. although a lot of them were independent teachers, the ones that founded Nats, interestingly enough, and a lot of people don't quite realize that, Um, but the History of Nats, you know, in the expansion and the diversity of things, uh, has moved along its own trajectory. Sometimes too slow for some people, sometimes too fast for mm-hmm. others. Um, but yet, we've we've tried as best we can with the resources we have to uh, to partner with others and do things that we can um, to address what we view and what we see from data as some of the pressing needs of those in our profession uh, and, and to, uh, to promote the fact that it is a profession and it is, is a valuable and worthy part of the arts infrastructure in the world, not uh, and, and certainly in the United States, and that we need to, Support that, whether it's in, uh, in the higher education venue, uh, at, at, in public education, or in independent venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the important things, I think, that uh, at least from my standpoint, uh, in the way, ways I've tried to serve uh, and to uh, promote NATS. Is that it is a service organization in the sense that uh, our organization, while a professional a body, is, uh, is its real mission is to serve the community uh, of singers mm-hmm. and to serve its members, of course, but also provide leadership where we can uh, to also partner with our colleagues and other uh, vocal venues, mm-hmm. whether it's um, American Choral Directors Association or MTNA or some of the foreign uh, voice teacher organizations that, that we coordinate with mm-hmm. so that we are bringing the best practices to everyone and making them as accessible as possible to everyone. I really want, that voice teacher who's out in rural, wherever, to feel like they are connected to a community, um, in in their remote location, mm-hmm. uh, and feel as included as you know all the voice teachers that see each other every day at an institution or in a major metropolitan area where they get together once a month and talk shop or, yes. you know, serve one another and help one another studios and things mm-hmm. like that. So, uh, I think one, of, certainly it's been, you know, one of the things that I've always felt in my life is, um, you know, having an attitude of service, um, is something that's important and it's been, uh, exemplified to me, not only through, uh, you know, my parents and my family, but through a lot of professional people that, that I've had the uh, privilege of, of knowing and working with over, over my career.
0: Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, let's um, let's talk a little bit about how it benefits the teacher's students. You know, mm-hmm. I, I will say that my students look forward to the Nats Auditions every year. They are so excited. We work hard, we select material and they absolutely love it. It really encourages the art of singing. It gives them something to look forward to and uh, it's it's just wonderful. So, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the 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 program for the students of the singers and, you know, how that benefits the teachers as well as the as the students?
1: Yeah, I would say that you know, when we do surveys and research uh, of our members, uh, it still remains, uh, audition, student auditions still remain a major uh, reason people list as mm-hmm. wanting to maintain their membership in NATS. Mm-hmm. Of course, not everybody participates in NATS auditions, uh, not every teacher does that. And there are many reasons to be a member of NATS, but uh, historically, um, this has been a major kind of uh, piece of, of what NATS does and pro- the programming NATS provides. And, uh, you know, the uh, opportunity for independent outside feedback is, is another aspect uh, that helps us as teachers. It, it, it gives us a, a little bit of feedback that Affirms that some of the things we're doing maybe challenges some other things mm-hmm. we're doing, mm-hmm. and if we um, go into the process with the right kind of sense of I'm going to get some feedback, it's it's going to be for my students, but it's also going to be for me. Mm-hmm. It's also a kind of a check in. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I leading this student in the right way? Yeah. I mean, we all have students that walk in our door that. Uh, challenges in different ways, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's as much of uh, an adventure for us as it is for them when a certain type of student that has a certain interest that may not center on our personal interest or a personal background. Mm-hmm. I mean, genre is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. If I'm a primarily classically trained singer and somebody walks into my studio and wants to sing rock pop in a rock pop band and mm-hmm. there's nobody but me to teach them, yeah. that's my job to kind of get the skills and serve that student in the best way I can. Yes. And so I'm on a learning journey as much as that student is sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so you know, using the resources that NAS provides, I'm able as a teacher to up my skills in that way and serve the student, but the student also is able to uh, you know, engage in these auditions and get some feedback from other teachers who, some of who may not live near me, but may have more experience in that particular genre. And, yes. and that, in fact, may be their specialty. Yes. yes. And so I always have valued the opportunity of my own students to be in those venues and uh, and get some great feedback and even have conversations after auditions are over with, with other colleagues of mine, uh, who can sometimes talk further about the comments they had on a sheet, uh, and and provide additional guidance. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the things we've really tried to work hard on over the last maybe decade or so is, is really standardizing that experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I started working working for Nats, um, the the student audition experience was quite varied depending on where you were mm-hmm. in the country or uh, in North America. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it depended a lot on what kinds of things your chapter or your region wanted to emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, there was more or less training for adjudicators, depending on where you were. Um, So your student or you as a teacher, if you moved around, could have a very different adjudication experience. And so one of the things we've really worked on over the last decade, especially is trying to standardize that uh, experience and have some standard guidelines, provide adjudicator training uh, and ensure that, We're giving a more consistent experience across the organization, no matter where you may have student auditions. And with, you know, we have about 15,000 singers that go through NATS auditions every year. So that's a lot of singing, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of adjudicating, and it's a lot of singers. Um, And it's, as far as I know, the largest uh, of that kind of experience. And so in doing that, you know, I think we have some responsibilities to try to do it to the best of our ability to provide the highest quality experience. doesn't mean that even my students might get that random comment that I think should be on their sheet, Uh, you know, uh, but it does mean that we're constantly on a, uh, on a trajectory of, uh, of improvement yes. and striving for uh, the common goals related to adjudication. Yeah, I think. It's well, great. I, you know, my students have had wonderful experience. I mean, obviously, I mentioned, you know, they all, just like anybody, they get comments I don't agree with sometimes, <laughs> or they don't agree with, or mm-hmm. they question. Uh, but overall, my students over the years just have found. Participating in national auditions to be a valuable experience for them, and a mm-hmm. and always a check-in point a couple of times a year because yeah. uh, I I try to do our chapter auditions in the fall and region auditions in the spring as uh, as much as possible mm-hmm. kind of two opportunities and then as we've expanded at the national level in student auditions um, I've been excited to see how that has. Brought uh, a different level of uh, of adjudication and a different exposure Mm -hmm. uh, for students across the North America, in particular, and now even some international students. So, uh, one of the really exciting things that we just announced this summer that I'm about uh, that we announced and committed to expanding all the genres and even the categories for the at the national level of student auditions to include uh, children and youth categories, and then also uh, fully expand the music theater categories and, uh, and have equal parallel uh, categories for commercial music uh, genres as well. And that will launch a a year from now, next August, when we start the next uh, audition cycle. So, I think it's a really great opportunity um, for us to finally be able to both fund and, and structurally manage, mm-hmm. um, basically almost doubling the number of categories we have at the national level, um, which you know has required uh, a lot of volunteer uh, support and a lot of volunteer leadership, and we're grateful that. Uh, you know, we have Mark McQuaid and Dan Johnson Wilmot and some other folks on a on a wonderful team who are, who are kind of guiding the National Student Auditions mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of help from a lot of people around the country, a lot of teachers around the country who are serving on a variety of leadership groups and advisory groups. And Dan's just put together a, a wonderful group of people to who are experts in children and youth, teaching children and, and younger youth uh, to really work on that aspect. And then another group uh, on the commercial music side uh, to to work with uh, the expansion on in that way as well. And, and I think one of the, if there's anything we've learned over the years from trying to expand uh, things like the National Student Auditions, uh, it's that, uh, we we need to have qualified adjudicators and we need to have people who they don't, it doesn't have to be their main, main gig, uh, you know, their main focus of their teaching, mm-hmm. but any of us can, uh, can gain the skill yes. to appropriately adjudicate in a, in another genre outside of the one we maybe perform yes. regularly. In. Yes. it just takes some time and it takes some dedication to the task. Mm-hmm. Um, and some interest in in serving in that way, and so one of the things we're why, one reason we're waiting a whole year to really hit hit it uh, and and roll it out is that we want to spend this year both developing some adjudication materials and training materials and actually you know really training well a cadre of of adjudicators that can really. Serve the chapters and the regions, mm-hmm. so that we, we continue to give valuable experiences to everyone,
0: yeah, that is fantastic. That's fantastic. You know, it's you know, I remember the first time that I adjudicated. I was a little nervous about it. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm going to be saying the right things. But the training that has been provided thus far for me has been tremendous. And I know that as as we go on and and you guys come up with with additional uh, adjudication training, Things will be even better, and there will be a cadre of of uh, teachers who are able to consistently uh, provide adjudication. That uh, that will be great. It'll be great. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, what things would you say to students as they come along? Maybe you know, students in high school, in college, in terms of having a career either as a singer or as a teacher, as a vocal person, what kind of advice uh, would you give?
1: I think uh, while there are some that would say, uh, don't follow your passion, you know, follow something else, <laughs> uh, you know, enjoy your passion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would always Say to students. I always say to students when they come to me, you know. So I really have a passion for X, Y, and Z. I say that is great. Now, if if you're really passionate about this, go look. I mean, I'm happy to talk with you, but go look at people that are doing what you think you want to do, and really dig into what they're doing. The chances are they're doing a lot more things than what you see. Yes. And as we know, I think. Performing artists today are uh, have much uh, much more a sense of portfolio careers, I guess you could say, rather than just I'm a this, yes. you know, I'm a voice teacher, I'm a classical voice teacher, or I'm a X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, understanding that aspect of um, of what your career might look like and how it may not exactly be what your vision of it is right now at, at, at your early stage, mm-hmm. uh, your early interest stage. Um, you know, students come to me in high school and their only exposure to a uh, singing in a foreign language is whatever they had to audition for all state mm-hmm. with, or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And they begin to see, oh, there's, Songs in this language, songs in that right. language, if, if I'm classically oriented mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, they're music theater oriented and all they've sung is Golden Age, right? right. Uh, you know, and yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, if I look at all the shows on Broadway right now, yep. mm, Music Man, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> and that's it. Or, you know, obviously there are others out there right now, but, you know, the industry itself is in a whole different place than I may view it. Mm -hmm. at my young age Mm -hmm. so understanding beginning just listen and understand you know just following a few people and we're fortunate or unfortunate depending on your (laughs) your love uh, or hate of social media uh we 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 can understand more about the lives of some of our favorite artists than we ever could before yes Uh, and obviously a lot of it's filtered by what they want us to see (laughs) But if we're somebody who's thinking about this as a career, it's easy for us to see. Oh, they just made a recording. Uh, they they're not just singing with uh, on Broadway. They're right. every Monday night doing a concert somewhere. Right. You know, they're flying out Sunday afternoon after the matinee and right. and and doing a concert somewhere on Monday, and then they're back Monday night. You know, mm-hmm. or. Tuesday morning for their show, Tuesday night, or they're taking some days off to go do a concert tour. Uh, And they're, they're putting out YouTube videos and Mm -hmm. they're, uh, you know, and then you dig a little deeper. Oh, they're actually making a little bit of money from those YouTube videos uh, and X, Y, and Z. and, And this is all a part of their way of, uh, making a living right. and uh, and then we also see the uh the less glamorous sides of things mm-hmm. the the fact that you know artists today make very little royalties off their recordings right. uh and you know we we get to see that not so fun underside underbelly a little bit of our industry mm-hmm. uh and and some sometimes it's lack of respect for artists. Yeah, uh, and and giving them uh, the earnings that are that are really due them uh, for their artistic ability and and what they bring to the world through through that artistry. Absolutely. So it you know if you really are serious about it, really kind of digging into some of those things just helps you have a clearer picture and hopefully gives you some guidance about what you want to do different with your career.
0: Mhm. Mhm. That's great. That's great. Well, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us about anything?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I, uh, you know, again, it's been a real joy of of my life and my career to to be a part of Nats all throughout my career, uh, you know, as a student and teacher and and also as an administrator. And, uh, And it's put me in contact with some amazing people and we have uh, in our industry just some people who are just doing amazing work every day. They, you know, they're in the trenches. Uh, Sometimes they like, like all of us wonder if what they're doing uh, has value uh, is making a difference. Um, And I, I want to say to everybody, yes, it is a value and yes, it is making a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that, we're able to both bring art to the world ourselves and also foster the next generations of those who will bring art to the world is uh, is a really valuable and high calling. And it's one that I think, I know you both you and I are privileged to be a part of yes. and uh, and and honored that we have the opportunity to work with the kinds of artists and students That we have, and I think it's important to uh, recognize that, and also know that uh, while you know we see the success of some students in uh, in the art form itself, um, we also know that a lot of the students we may teach uh, may not end up in music as a as their full time career, but yet they have gained a wonderful. Uh, experience and their understanding of music and the value that they have uh, in uh, of music in their own lives and the ways that they may participate in music going forward in their lives is just uh, a fulfilling experience, no matter what my students may do in the future. That's right. uh, knowing that I've been able to have a little part of ensuring that music stays a part of their life uh, is something that's, I think, important for society as a whole. Um, and that if we, sometimes we may get a little too focused on, you know, our high success students in the industry and what they're doing. Uh, but I think every student that walks in our door, you know, has the opportunity to impact, uh, and support the arts in the future and, and our ability to value that and understand that for our own, uh, for our own selves, uh, as our, uh, as our business, mm-hmm. uh, is I think really important. Yes. Uh, and I think that's doing its best to, to provide that value and, uh, and raise that value up mm-hmm. and, uh, and ensure that all the voices that, uh, that are there in the room are heard and valued and the ways that we can bring, um, the wonderful diversity of our profession uh, forward and promote it and, and spread the word, uh, I think is a really an important mission that we have going forward as well.
0: Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. You know, we are, in addition to creating the next generation of uh, artists, we're creating audiences and arts patrons. And that is just that's huge. We're promoting the the art of singing in every way, so it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. Well, Alan, I want to thank you for being with us today. What a treat, an honor, and a pleasure this has been. And uh, we will put all kinds of information about nets in our show notes, and uh, really make sure that people understand what nets is, and how they can participate, how they their students can participate. And this has just been fantastic. So thank you so, so much.
1: Thank you, Greta. And congratulations again on uh, the 100th episode. It's, it's great. And I'm, I know that whenever we launch into things like podcasts and things like that, we just kind of don't know where it's going to go.
0: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of morphs on its <laughs> own. <laughs> it's a good thing. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And I look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Okay, you too. All
0: right. Thank you. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight-reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live. Classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is brought to you by the private music studio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at grettapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer podcast. The Business Savvy Singer.